God never said that. We've been looking into uh, several of these things lately, things that maybe we get confused about, that, uh, about God and how he operates, what he says. Uh, there, you know, there are all sorts of things that we kind of get confused uh, that we think are in the Bible, but maybe they're not. And so in order to kind of highlight that today, I wanted to do a little something different. We're going we're gonna, to, well, we're going to play a little game. Go ahead and start with our uh, intro there. And now it's time to play everyone's favorite game, where you guess whether it's from the Bible, Shakespeare, or the Lord of the Rings. You ready? You can keep your own score. What, boo? Is that what, is that what I heard? Uh, I won't, we're not calling any contestants up here today, but uh, we do tend to get some things confused a little bit, and so I'm just going to put some quotes up on, the, uh, up on the screen. You can keep your own, uh, your own tabulation there of what you think, whether, it, and, and again, uh, you know, if, if you get above a 50%, you get a, no, that's only for mothers, the chocolate's only for mothers, but um, uh, whether it's uh, from the Bible from the Lord of the Rings, or maybe it's a Shakespeare play. So uh, here we go. Uh, The first one is this. The world is full enough of hurts and mischances without wars to multiply them. A quote from either the Bible, Shakespeare, or Lord of the Rings. The answer is the Lord of the Rings. Anybody? Okay. You get, anybody got 100% so far? All right. Well, you can tell me other, anyway whether, uh, whether you did or not. Se- second one is this. Of making many books there is no end and much study wearies the body. Is that the Bible, Shakespeare, or Lord of the Rings? Maybe we should take a poll. Any Bible? Shakespeare? Lord of the Rings? Survey says that's from the Bible in Ecclesiastes 12.12. 12. Now you can't cheat because I saw that most of you thought that was Shakespeare. That's all right. I'm, I'm, we're not here to shame anyone. No shame. We're just, uh, we're just finding out this thing's a little more maybe difficult than it. I don't know. Number three, this above all to thine own self be true. Bible, Shakespeare, Lord of the Rings. I have no idea. Okay. Uh, the survey, uh, that's from Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 3. Uh, so those, you guys are... You guys know your Shakespeare, I guess. Number four, do you still persist in your integrity? Curse God and die. Bible, Shakespeare, Lord of the Rings. I think you're right. It's from Job. Job 2.9, Job's wife told him to curse God and die. But he didn't, and that's a whole other sermon. Number five, all that is gold does not glitter, not all those who wander are lost. It's not just a bumper sticker that you saw on somebody's Subaru. Right? This is, uh, this is, this is from the Lord of the Rings. There we go. All right. Number six. How the mighty have fallen. Mm. Bible? Shakespeare? Lord of the Rings? Nobody voted. All of the above? It could have been, I guess. It is actually first off from the Bible in 2 Samuel 1.19. So uh, anybody, you doing all right? You got more than a couple? All right, good. All right, good. You can feel good about yourselves on this Mother's Day. Number seven, I must be cruel only to be kind. Answer, from Hamlet, Act 3, Scene 4. I must be cruel only to be kind. Number eight, Pray you now, forget and forgive. Sounds awful Christian, right? Is that Bible? Shakespeare? Lord of the Rings? 
I'm afraid to vote because pastor's going to know what, yeah, okay, good, there we go. And the answer is, it's from King Lear, Act 4, Scene 7. Number 9, this sounds awfully Christian, doesn't it? Where there is life, there is hope. Bible, Shakespeare, I'm just giving up on voting, right? Is that it? Is that where you're at? It is the Lord of the Rings. There we go. And the last one, number 10, neither a borrower nor a lender be. Bible, Shakespeare, Lord of the Rings, Shakespeare, Hamlet, Act 1, Scene 3. I know, you know, you thought it was... All right, well... You can turn in your, uh, your scores later for no prize whatsoever. I'll give you points. Ten million points for the, the winner of the... I'm just kidding. All right. It can get... That's, that's all just all, all in fun, but it just kind of uh, illustrates the fact that things can get a little confusing. That, um, um, and, and, you know, we quote things a lot, including some of these things that we've looked at over the past few weeks. Uh, things that maybe we think God said or how God operates, but it never maybe doesn't really. But even though it's confusing, it kind of matters, right? I mean, I mean, it matters uh, if, if you're living life based on truths you thought God said, but really it was Bilbo Baggins or King Lear, uh, it kind of matters, right? We're, we're not, we're not uh, it's kind of a problem if you're, if you're building your life on things that God didn't say or how God, uh, how God doesn't operate. So today we're looking at a misconception that seems to have more traction maybe than ever before. Maybe, maybe it just seems like that, I don't know, but, but we want to be inclusive, right? And, and and we want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And we also uh, start to think that, uh, that, that, that God's okay with my spirituality, uh, whatever that looks like. Uh, the important thing is my sincerity, right? That, that I'm sincere. And so we express it like this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Hate to break it to you today, but God never said that. We should have everybody, God never said... No, I'm just kidding. Um, another way of saying that might be that all religions lead to the same God. Uh, one God, many paths, right? But uh, maybe you've heard the, uh, the, the ancient Hindu story about uh, several blind men who were, who were placed near an elephant. And then they were asked to describe the elephant. And the first man had been put by the elephant's side. And so he described the elephant. He said, an elephant is like a wall. And the second man uh, was touching the, the, the elephant's tusk. And so he said, the elephant is like a spear. And the, the third man was placed right in front of the elephant's trunk. And so he described the elephant like a snake. And the fourth man was, uh, had, had wrapped his arms around one of his legs. And so he said that an elephant is like a tree. And the fifth man stood right next to uh, one of the ears. And so he thought that an elephant was like a fan. And the, the sixth man uh, had grabbed the animal's tail. And so he said that the elephant was like a rope. And the point of that, that Hindu story and Hindu tradition is that every man was correct uh, as long as he was touching the elephant. And they describe their experiences differently, but they're all still correct. Uh, the inference then is that God is an elephant. No, that's not the inference. The inference is that, uh, that, that we all experience or come to God in different ways or experience different parts of him, etc. cetera, uh, and there's different traditions or rituals or, or, or thoughts or those kinds of things, but at least we're all coming to God, right? All religions lead to God just by different paths. 
And on the surface, that sounds great. I mean, there's, there's something ingrained within us that is drawn to worship someone or something, and it, it's been true uh, down through history in virtually every civilization. Humanity is created to worship. So are all the different religions of the world just varying expressions of that worship of the same God that he's put within us? Uh, we certainly don't have time to go in depth on all of the belief systems of the religions of the world this morning. Believe it or not, there are uh, literally over 4,000 different religions in the world today. And I think you probably want to get to the, uh, the Mother's Day brunch, right? Um, uh, a lot of the people who follow those religions are very sincere. They sincerely believe those things. So, so, so is that the secret, sincerity? Uh, or does it matter what you're sincere about? Maybe what we're asking is, is sincerity more important than reality? Does sincerity matter if you're wrong? Maybe that's the question we're kind of getting to. Uh, And then I guess we're thinking, is there really a wrong? Or is belief the important thing, right? Well, I I guess my my mind went to conspiracy theories uh, and... uh, (laughs) I might be uh, treading on some toes, I guess, if there are some conspiracy theorists out there. But uh, I, I don't want to offend you in any way. But but uh, it, just because people believe something sincerely doesn't necessarily make it true, right? I, I mean, I, I wasn't there, but I am pretty sure that the astronauts really did go to the moon, okay? Uh, you can debate me later if you want. Send me an email, whatever. I probably won't answer it. But... Um, I'm pretty sure that aliens are, are, are not contacting us, us and the government is just keeping it quiet. Again, I know, that's probably about half of you are, are on the fence there. Um, I'm pretty sure that the earth is not flat and those pictures from space were just all faked, right? And they just used the, uh, a lens to make it all, right? I'm reasonably certain that uh, that there is not a secret global force called the Illuminati controlling the world. And I'm also pretty sure that the FDA is, is, is not keeping the cure for cancer secret just to make money off of the drugs for cancer. All of these things are conspiracy theories. It didn't take me very long to find them in a Google search. Uh, some of you could tell me all about them probably. Here's, here's my favorite. Um, I am very certain that this is not true. I hope I'm not blowing your mind by revealing this. I hope this is not like, you know, talking about Santa at Christmas or something and just blowing your mind. I am very certain that reptilians are not running the world. But there is a sincere belief that, so, that some people at the top uh, of governmental powers around the world are actually shape-shifting reptile-like aliens who have been lording power over humans to make them into mindless slaves for their own purposes. This is, I mean, Google it, do it, go for it. It's not, maybe not right now, but uh, really, truly, people believe these things, all of these things and more, uh, and they believe them very sincerely. They, they are very sincere. I mean, you can watch some stuff, right? Uh, they, they, they make signs. They, they march. They write their congressmen and women. They, uh, they host Facebook groups. They pattern their lives around these very sincere beliefs. So does sincerity change reality? If you believe something, even deep in your heart, does that make it true? That's... It's not the way it works with conspiracy theories, and it's not the way it works in issues of of God and religion. 
Uh, there was a Gallup poll in 1962, so a couple of years ago. 1962 Gallup poll, 84% of Americans agreed that there are some things that are absolutely true. Some things that are true for all people, for all times, for all circumstances. There are absolute truths in life. 84% of Americans uh, agreed with that statement. Almost 60 years later, uh, today, uh, it's at 26%. 26% of Americans believe that there is absolute truth. We want to be able to let everyone have their own viewpoint, but if, if you think for a minute, it just doesn't compute, right? I mean, everybody can't be right. Christianity claims that there is one God who exists in three persons. Muslims and Jews disagree because they believe that God is indivisibly one. Hinduism claims that everything is God and that God is in everything. Islam claims that Jesus was not God and that he did not die for the sins of humanity. Buddha may not have even believed there was a God. Uh, Here's the thing, we could all be wrong, but we can't all be right. There are too many contradictions. God didn't say it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. In fact, he said the opposite. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount and he says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few Find it. And, and later, Jesus identified this narrow gate as himself. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus didn't say there are multiple paths and multiple gates as long as you end up uh, heading toward this God out there somewhere. Jesus didn't allow for multiple paths, only for one way, himself. It is possible to be sincerely wrong. But in our culture today, we like options, right? We like to customize. We, we, we like to pick and choose. Uh, maybe if, if you go to a Mother's Day buffet today, you'll be able to pick and choose, right? Uh, I, I, a couple of years ago, I did a, did a whole series and we kind of talked about this, this whole concept of smorgasbord spirituality, right? Um, I, because I like the word smorgasbord instead of buffet. Um, it's just fun to say. But uh, uh, you, you go down the line and you can pick and choose. And no, I don't want the, uh, the, the, the slimy gel but I do want an extra helping of roast beef, please, right? And so I, I want extra of this and none of that, and I can just pick and choose. And, and, and we tend to go through the buffet of spirituality in much the same way. I want a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but I don't really like that part of things, so I'm just gonna leave that off my plate. And, and uh, so the, the, uh, the certain things that may be hard or difficult or I don't necessarily want to agree with, I just don't adopt that into my beliefs, so we base our, our beliefs on what feels good, what we prefer, not necessarily on what's true from God. Uh, we, we're used to there being many ways to accomplish things, right? We, we could, you know, there's more than one way to, to skin a cat or whatever. Sorry, all you cat lovers. But uh, there's more than, more than one way to get at something. And so we, we, we feel, well, you know, we can, we can accomplish this in several ways. And, and by the way, I mean, it sounds exclusive and elite. It sounds rude, that God would demand that we just follow one way. And, and I guess it would be exclusive and elite and rude if there were other ways to get to God. <laughs> but there aren't. Jesus says, I am the way. Uh, he says that not to be narrow-minded or, or, or snooty in some way, but he says that simply because it's true. 
Let's say, uh, let's say after church today that I wanted to, uh, to head to, uh, to see the, the Cleveland Indians play. And let's say that they're playing in Detroit. I don't think they are, but I'm just making that up just for argument's sake. So let's say there's an afternoon game and I want to head to Detroit to watch the Indians annihilate the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, Tigers, right? And so, uh, so I head out of here. I say, I'm going to the, I'm going to the ball game, I'm heading to Detroit. Uh, y'all can fend for yourself for Mother's Day. Here I go. And so I head out here and I go south here on Route 3 and then I get on 76 East and I say, I'm heading to Detroit. And for those of you who are geographically challenged, that doesn't make any sense because 76 East doesn't go to Detroit. As long, if I stay on 76 East to the very bitter end, it will never take me there. Until I get on a different route, uh, I will never make it to the Indians game today. I really won't because I really don't think they're playing in Detroit. Again, just, just making that up. So would it be rude of you? Uh, would it be exclusive of you to tell me, <laughs> hey, that's not going to take you there. You need to, you need to get, and, and, and you give me uh, uh, the route to Detroit instead of the wrong route? W- would that be rude of you to do? It wouldn't be, because you're right, and I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, I-76 East will never get me to Detroit, no matter how sincere I might be that I want to see some Major League Baseball this afternoon. It won't get me there. And you telling me that there's a different specific route to take in order to get to Detroit isn't exclusive, it's just true. The way I look at it, um, other religions are much more exclusive than Christianity. One big distinction is that every other religion, a major religion except Christianity, is based on people doing things to earn their part in, uh, in the favor of, of their God or deity. They say that, that the people have to use a, a Tibetan prayer wheel or go on pilgrimages or, or give alms to the poor or avoid eating certain foods or, or doing a certain number of good works or pray in a specific way or, or go through a certain uh, amount, a series of reincarnations. Uh, these, uh, those are all their attempts to, to reach out to please God. Christianity says that God has al- already reached out to us in Jesus Christ. Um, Philip Yancey, several years ago, wrote a book called What's So Amazing About Grace. And um, he tells this story in the book. He says, during a British conference on comparative religions, experts from around the world debated what, if any, belief was unique to the Christian faith. They began eliminating possibilities. Incarnation? Well, other religions had different versions of God's appearing in human form. Resurrection? Well, again, there were other religions that had accounts of return from death. The debate went on some time until C.S. Lewis wandered into the room and asked, uh, what's the rumpus about, he says. He heard in reply that what his colleagues were discussing about Christianity's unique contribution among other world religions, and Lewis responded, oh, it's grace. And after some discussion, the conferees had to agree. The notion of God's love coming to us free of charge, no strings attached, seems to go against every instinct of humanity. The Buddhist eightfold path, the Hindu doctrine of karma, the Jewish covenant, and the Muslim code of law, each of these offers a way to earn approval. Only Christianity dares to make God's love unconditional. 
I think maybe I've used this uh, illustration before, but I like to think about it as um, uh, uh, with, with this little analogy, I guess. Let's say there's two country clubs. Uh, the first one only admits people who pay uh, the, the high membership fee and they fulfill certain requirements. Uh, despite their best efforts, a lot of people just don't make it into that country club because they don't have the money or in some other way they, they can't fulfill the requirements. But then there's this other country club that, that uh, says that anybody can come in. The membership fee has already been paid by a generous benefactor and regardless of race or gender or social status or pedigree or nationality or IQ or anything else, uh, anyone is welcome to join. Entry is not based on qualifications but simply on accepting the offer. To join the first club I would describe as exclusive right they've raised the bar quite high the second club not so much the second one is open to everyone and and they're all welcome and the second one is describing Christianity Scripture says that we've all sinned, that, 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 that we're all in the same situation, but God's gift to us is eternal life in Jesus. It says that God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus so that all we have to do is believe on him and we'll receive eternal life. There's a specific path to follow. Everyone is invited to follow that path. It's the most radically inclusive thing you can, you can ever come across. The only reason Jesus said that he's the only way is because he is. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's not exclusive. It's just that nothing else will get you there. None of the other roads end up there. Jesus is the way. And so it matters what you believe. Believing anything else, no matter how sincerely, won't result in a relationship with God and the hope of heaven for eternity. What you believe and base your life on matters. Not just the sincerity of your belief, but what you're believing in. So if, if all that is true, and I believe that it is, if all that is true, then we can't just stop right there. There's, there's a call right there at that moment for us to recognize what we believe and to respond in faith and to say, God, I believe, as we've sung even today, I believe, I want you at the center, I, I'm going to follow you uh, completely, I'm going to accept your offer. All of those things are true for us here, but there is something else that we also have to recognize, that if we believe that that's true, that there is one way, and, and, and Jesus is that way, then we also have a responsibility to share that with the people around us. It's the age-old illustration of if you had a cure for cancer. Maybe you you found out this cure for cancer. You had cancer. You uh, stepped uh, into this cure and uh, you you stumbled across it and and you experienced it. It cured your cancer. And and so then you uh, met some other people with cancer. Would you share the cure you found or would you keep it to yourself? Would you be afraid uh, that they'd be offended if you told them about something that had helped you? It wouldn't be offensive at all. You would share it in a heartbeat. Sharing our faith seems to be a little different. We're hesitant. We, we, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of reasons, but I think partially one reason why we don't is because of this belief that, 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 uh, that, well, it doesn't matter what they believe. 
uh, as long as they're sincere, they're, they're believing something and that's good for them and this is good for me. And, and so if that's underlying things, then we don't have an urgency to share with anybody, right? Because, uh, because we just, uh, this, is, this is for us, but it's not for them. Uh, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. If that's running through our minds somewhere consciously or subconsciously, then it's gonna keep us from bringing other people to Jesus the way. Uh, Barna Research Group uh, did a study, actually just released it in, in February of this year, just very, uh, just, just a couple of months ago. And, um, and, and they talked about, part of this, uh, this study was about the faith sharing practices of people and broke it down generationally. So, uh, you know, the older generations on down, um, I'm becoming one of those older generations more than I want to admit. But um, uh, among the, uh, the, the, their major findings is the, uh, the revelation that, that um, and, and they use the term uh, um, millennials. So you've got uh, the, the boomers and the busters, Gen X, busters and Gen X. Anyway, millennials would be younger than me, but uh, they're, they're, uh, they're out of school by now. And uh, so as, as they have, uh, have, maybe that's you, maybe it's not, but, but uh, in this study, Christian millennials feel especially conflicted about sharing their faith. In fact, almost, almost half of them believe that it's wrong to share your faith. Uh, almost all practicing Christians through this study said, shared that, uh, that, that they believe that part of their faith means being a witness for Jesus. Over 95% of the people, no matter what, uh, uh, what, uh, generation, uh, they, they, they came from, uh, virtually everybody said, yeah, I'm, I'm a witness for Jesus. And they also said, almost all of them said that, uh, that the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to know Jesus. And even uh, millennials, that demographic, uh, they, they said, according to this study, that they feel more equipped even than older generations said that they felt in, in the ability to share their faith. There's, there's, there's more uh, equipping or more resources, all those kinds of things in order to be able to share their faith. But despite all that, uh, many millennials are unsure about the actual practice of evangelism. 47%, almost half, agreed at least somewhat that it is wrong to share one's personal belief with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith as you. Part of that, uh, the, the study indicated, was that uh, um, uh, more people today know more people that are of a different faith. In, in, uh, in, in the older generations, uh, we didn't necessarily know as many people outside of our own faith tradition, but now uh, millennials are more than four times more likely to uh, know someone of a different religion than their grandparents would. Uh, that's part of that uh, answer. But, but if, so that all to say, almost, almost half of the generations uh, coming up think that this evangelism, th- because there's this underlying belief that if you're, if you're believing something, then it's all right, and I can't really tell you what to believe. But if you really believe that Jesus is the way, that the narrow road leads to life instead of destruction, then, then we have a responsibility, and there's an urgency to share that. It's, it's not about winning someone to our side. It's about sharing truth and introducing people to real, abundant life. 
Again, around here, we say it. Hopefully you're catching it. We live to love people to life. It's, it's, it's driving who we are, not just in the church, but hopefully in your life. The, 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 whatever that looks like and however God has put you together and the opportunities that he's placed you in, you are using those opportunities to love people in such a way that they can know the life that comes through Jesus. Maybe you're getting tired of hearing me say that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not gonna stop. We live to love people to life. God has you right where you are right now for a purpose. He has positioned this church right here, right now for a purpose. Not only are we here to experience great abundant life in God, in Jesus, but also to love the people around us so that they can connect with God and his abundant life for them as well. In... uh, in our group this morning, I asked the question, and I'll continue to ask it uh, as every time we get together. Who have you loved to life this week? Who are you loving to life right now? Who's on your list? Who are you praying for? Uh, what are the opportunities where you're seeing and you can speak into this? Maybe it's your, your kids, maybe it's your grandkids, maybe it's your coworkers, maybe it's uh, that, that uh, neighbor across the street. Whoever it is, who is God laying on your heart to open up an opportunity so you can love them to life? Where are you seeing him move in and through your life? No, uh, mere sincerity isn't enough. Just being sincere in our belief isn't enough. It's not that there are many ways to God. There's just one. His name is Jesus. And everyone can know him and experience salvation. We're not putting people down by, by, uh, that, that, that if they believe other things, we're simply looking at the truth and we're letting them know what we've discovered. I guess there's a chance we could be wrong, but we can't all be right. And we have this, this deep driving passion that God has poured his love into our hearts. And we believe that it matters. It matters what we believe about God. It matters what what scripture says. It doesn't necessarily matter what Shakespeare says or Bilbo Baggins says. It matters what the Bible says, what God has said. And we're going to base our life, the foundation of our lives on Him. He is, has to be, the center. The center.